Thank you for joining us for chapters 5 and 6, Traditionalists and Aesthetics, in our Fellowship Collective Book Study of Sacred Pathways by Gary Thomas. This is the third podcast, and again, is covering Traditionalists and Aesthetics. If you haven't done the questionnaire in your book, go ahead and do that now. Also, there's one attached to the original email um, where you can fill out that questionnaire, even if you don't have the book. If you haven't read chapters 5 and 6 yet, don't worry. You can listen to the podcast first and then read them, or you can read them now and and then uh, go through this little study together as we talk about um, these two sacred pathways and how they impact ourselves and our church. All right, let's dive right in. Traditionalists. This chapter is so good. In fact, both of these are. I actually scored a 19 as a traditionalist. I'll go ahead and tell you. It's no secret. <laughs> Which, But this really surprised me. Because when I hear the word traditionalist, I do not think of myself. Personally, I have a very Pentecostal, charismatic background, upbringing. So words like religion and tradition were almost swear words in my family growing up. They indicated something negative. Eventually, my path crossed with more traditional-centric churches and ministries, and while they lacked a certain excitement for or hype, I found many of the members and ministers were really rooted in their walk and even had a greater understanding of God's Word than my fiery self. <laughs> so I love what Gary says on page 73, and I want to read it for you. He says, Some people react to the word religion like a child reacts to the word bedtime. They rightly fear a form of faith that has no substance, so they stress Christianity is a relationship, not a religion. However, in the context of a pure faith, religious practices and rituals can be a powerful force for good. A friend, not an enemy, of a rich and growing relationship with God. The older I get, the more I want a faithful, consistent relationship with Jesus and not a sporadic one. I love the idea of singing a song or reading a creed that someone used to draw their hearts to God even hundreds of years ago. On Easter or Christmas, I don't know about you, but on those special days, or even on regular Sunday morning, I love singing certain songs, praying familiar things, and hearing sermons that bring back to heart God's consistency in my life and my family through the years. My great-grandfather was actually a pastor in Texas, and I'm named after him. And I know when I sing hymns or older songs that I'm singing this probably the same thing that he did four generations ago which is really, really cool, and again, just shows the, the faithfulness of God in my family tree um, from years back. The three main elements of the traditionalist pathway are ritual, symbol, and sacrifice. E7 talks about symbols. Symbols help us preserve a moral memory, which is so essential to right living. Gary uses Numbers 15, 38 through 40, and it's a great passage. I'd love if you just paused right here and took a second to read that. Symbols can be potent ushers into God's presence and reality. Sacrifice is at the heart of Christianity. There are three types in the Old Testament. The sin offering, the guilt offering, and the burnt offerings. Sacrifice is at the heart of the holy life. And Paul exhorted the Romans to offer themselves as living sacrifices. Temptations of traditionalists are serving God without knowing God, neglecting social obligations, and judging others and, and deifying rites, or trying to turn symbols and religion into God. How did you rank as a traditionalist? Go ahead and, and fill your answer in there on page 233. 
I think maybe as I get older, this sacred pathway starts to reveal itself a bit in me. And um, I'd be curious to know if that's similar with you. All right, next chapter, aesthetics. The ascetic temperament gravitates towards solitude, austerity, simplicity, and deep commitment. This temperament rep- represents believers who aren't afraid of discipline, severity, and solitude. Solitude is a really foreign idea in our culture, but it was a go-to for the generations of believers preceding the tech age. Many people would retreat years ago to hear this still small voice and practice a spiritual devotion and moral strictness we don't see championed often by the church today. Again, we do not get a Calvary without a Gethsemane. A battle will be fought at both. The author says on page 103, That's why I identify so much with Jesus, alone and in agony, as he prayed in Gethsemane. It is the ultimate picture of Christianity, the picture of us struggling spiritually as God aligns our will with his. It's the picture that fuels the ascetic spiritual temperament, the wrestling match with oneself to remind ourselves again and again that his will must prevail. i got to read that sentence one more time. The wrestling match with oneself to remind ourselves again and again that his will must prevail. Page 106 keeps talking about this um, and compares it to sensates, which we studied last week. And this is really what I want to get to with this book study, is the difference in these two and how caring for each person and their sacred pathway in our ministry and in our churches is important. Page 106 says, While sensates are often drawn to God through their senses, ascetic Christians are often distracted by them. Wow, okay. Um, So here we see probably the root of a lot of complaints that we may have found annoying in the past as we led people. Some people are trying to enter into God and, and our sacred pathway may literally be be hindering that. So we need to, as we read this book, look for ways that foster environments that bring all people the opportunity and uh, the ready ability uh, to enter into God's presence, no matter the sacred pathway. The three main elements of ascetics are solitude, austerity, and strictness. Ooh, strictness. All right. Uh, solitude gives us better opportunity to hear the still, small voice of God and to center ourselves. Uh, we often think of, of introverts that may have a, a predisposition towards wanting solitude, but really I think no matter what your personality is like, we can all uh, see times in our lives when we needed to to step away and to listen to God and, and to pray and look for vision and... and um, and get out of the crowd for a moment, if you will. Austerity recognizes that God is holy, and there are moments when lighthearted joking and joviality must be left behind for reverence. All right, and what is strictness? Strictness is a scary word, but how do you gain anything from a diet if you are not strict with it? How do you train a child not to go in the street without strictness? How do you live a life set apart in a self-seeking world without strictness? How are you strict with yourself to make sure you're disciplined and aligning yourself to God and with the things of God? We think of that word as as kind of a, a, a nasty one or an uncomfortable one, but we must be strict with ourselves um, to live a biblical lifestyle, especially as a worship leader. 
Contrary to some popular belief, we don't have churches and worship services to just make ourselves feel good. We gather together because the Bible tells us to, and also to recognize the importance of practicing our faith regularly, or with tradition, for example. Individually, it's important that we don't pursue God and our spiritual walk by chance, and that we do not treat God lightheartedly and without awe. I almost fell out of my chair when I ranked highly as a traditionalist. How did you fare with these two sacred pathways? If you have the book, don't forget again to fill your answers out on page 233 so you can see side by side what your pathways are. And as we go through this week, maybe you will identify some things in yourself that are traditionalist leaning or ascetic leaning. Maybe you will see and appreciate these qualities in others. And that's very important as well. Will you take a moment today? And whether you feel like you have these qualities or not, let's just pray that God will teach us how to lead ourselves and others in them and make us a greater Christian and a greater leader through them. It's such an honor. It's such a privilege to get to do ministry alongside you and get to pursue the things of God and uh, the worship lifestyle together. I can't thank you enough for setting aside a few moments today um, to reinvest in yourself, and we want to invest in you. So I hope that this is doing that. Thanks again for joining us. Have a great week.